Welcome to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. To learn more about Hope, including our worship opportunities, visit HopeChurchMemphis.com. Today's message comes from Senior Pastor Rufus Smith. So as we begin our new sermon series, we're actually revisiting an older sermon series from some weeks ago called Empowered, the Ministry of the Holy Spirit. This is called Empowered 2, Part 2, the Ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so today I want to talk about four signs of being filled with the Spirit, four signs of being filled with the Spirit and why that is important for our daily lives. We've also uh, recorded an extended conversation on the ministry of the Holy Spirit, tackling various subjects that I think many of you will find interesting. And you can access that extended conversation uh, tomorrow, late morning, either video or podcast, uh, if you go to our website. And uh, it's about 45 minutes, but can, it, can give you some additional insight from several perspectives. In fact, we have a small clip right now. Watch this. But the tongues thing really messed them up. They, they did not want to believe that that, that, that occurred. And maybe what, what, what they were upset about was the gift being abused. And, and so they, what they, weren't, they weren't seeing the gift. They were right. seeing some manifestation of someone's um, acting out the gift, perhaps. Yes. And, there, and that, that, that is dangerous. Yes. And you would speak out against that. Absolutely. I would simply say this, Eli, that um, you walk into some places and everybody is speaking in tongues. And St. Paul has a word about that. Mm -hmm. And he said, let one or, 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 or two speak, let another interpret. If there's no interpretation, let him be silent and let him continue to speak in tongues in a private way, mm -hmm. how I would translate the Greek. And, uh, but what's interesting is that he never says, don't do this, but it's this, it's this yeah. cacophony of confusion that people see and they don't want to have anything right. to do he with it. He was speaking, he was speaking to order in the church. Absolutely. And so at, when you meet, when you gather, follow, follow these guidelines. Yes. Uh, but, but in following those guidelines, there was a place for the spirit to do what the spirit does. Yes. Freedom in the spirit. Right. I remember um, I've never wanted to be a preacher, ever. Never wanted to be a pastor, ever. How's that, uh, how's that going? Yeah, well, <laughs> well, you can access that extended conversation um, on tomorrow, Lord willing, in a podcast or by, by video. At the very moment of salvation, at the very moment of salvation, that is when a person has confessed their need and have surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, God the Holy Spirit begins to indwell them. This happens immediately, invisibly, and irrevocably. And along with that, 17 wonderful ways he impacts our soul. It is a sanctifying process over time. So day by day and week by week and month by month and year by year through failures and successes, 
we learn to live with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Let me diagram it one more time. It won't be as long as we've done before. This is the human soul of every single person, whether they're religious or irreligious. There are seven compartments that make us like God in every person's soul. We've talked about it before. V is uh, volition, I is intellect, C would be conscience, E, emotions, S, self-awareness, M, memory, V, vocabulary. Every single person has these compartments of the soul part of the image of God. But for the Jesus follower who has surrendered their, themselves to the Lordship of Christ, God the Holy Spirit, comes to indwell and then to uh, influence and impact these compartments of our soul. Again, it is a sanctifying process over time and he impacts our souls. And so today I wanna to talk about four signs of being filled with the Spirit and in my judgment and a lot of other theologians, the passage that we read today, Ephesians chapter 5, uh, would be one of the three most impactful passages in all of the Word of God. So let's give it our undue attention. Ephesians 5.18 says this, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. That's a big old English word for wild living. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, songs of the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We find there these four signs of being filled with the Spirit. Colossians says uh, this in another way, but same principle. Colossians 3, 16 through 18 and 22. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within, not just dwell, but richly dwell within you with all wisdom and teaching, admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. <clears throat> husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this is pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, that will be parents, do not antagonize your children so that they will not become discouraged. Slaves, servants, obey those who are your human masters in everything, not with our service, as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Notice that both Ephesians and Colossians have the same principle of indwelling. That is, be filled with the Spirit, indwelt, and that is to let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, not just dwell, but moves that it dwells in you richly. 
This is something that happens inside of us because the Spirit of God and the Word of God work in tandem. As Ephesians 6, 17 says, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. So they work in perfect tandem together. When I'm filled with the Spirit, I am richly being indwelt with the Word of God. When the Word of God richly indwells me, I'm filled with the Spirit. So what does that term filled really means? It's really a simple word that we don't give a lot of attention to. The Greek word is plero, and it means to fill up to the brim to fill up to the brim. Take a glass of water, you fill it up to the brim. That means that in that container, nothing else controls that glass except the water within it. So fill up to the brim. That's literal. Figuratively, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? It means to be under the control or influence as I yield my will to His Word and to his works. It means to yield my will, yield to his word, yield to his works. That's what plero means. That's what Paul had in mind. This word plero is in the present tense. Allow me to be a little technical in order for us to fully understand the word. The present tense means that it is ongoing. It is not once and for all. Meaning, I am adopted by the Spirit one time, born of the Spirit one time, baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ one time. But when Paul says, be filled with the Spirit, it's a present infinitive tense, which means it is an ongoing experience. So I have to ask God, the Holy Spirit, to fill me on a daily basis. And when I fail, I repent, receive his forgiveness, get up, dust myself off, and keep on moving. So being filled with the Spirit is something that I have to ask God to do on a daily basis. In fact, I have learned over the years that when I go into meetings, when I go to work, when I'm going into a tensive situation or any situation, I ask God to fill me with your spirit. Help me to yield to your will, to your word, to your works. I want to be under your influence as I endeavor to do this particular task. So that's the present tense. It's own going. And then it's not just the present tense, it's the passive voice, which means the subject receives the action. Listen well, the subject receives the action. I cannot do this on my own. The willpower that I have, the strength that I have will only take me so far. I need an outside source to help me go all the way. The passive voice says the subject, which is me, is receiving the action of the verb of being filled. God has to do it. And by the way, it's an imperative mood. It's a command. Rufus, this is what I command you. Be continually be being filled with the Spirit of God. Yield to my influence, my control, to my will, to my word, to my works. And when you do that, you will find that you have an incredible power in living in living life. That's plero. That's to be filled with the Spirit, filled up to the brim. Again, 
It is a sanctifying process. Over time, I learn to live with the Spirit. And when I do, these three pictures sort of emerge. When I talk about being filled with the Spirit, the first picture that emerges would be this. It is the picture of a drunk person. It's a picture of a drunk person. Paul was talking to the church at Ephesus, and he knew that they were over-consumers of alcohol. In fact, it was a part of their worship and caused them to live in debauchery and wild living. He said to them, here is the contrast. Just as you know what it means to be influenced or controlled by wine or alcohol or some other drug, that's the contrast of being filled with the Spirit. Now, don't look at me like you don't have any experience in this area. The word drunk is methusko, where we get our word meth from, which meant we get methadone, methamphetamines. It's a depressant in the brain that impacts our judgment and understanding. Paul says, don't consume that which suppresses your judgment and understanding and be influenced and controlled by that. He said, you already know about that part of life. As far as the spirit is concerned, you're not as familiar with. So now I want you to be filled, yield to that influence and control, just as you understand the experience of over-consuming alcohol. He didn't condemn alcohol. He condemned the overconsumption of alcohol. Sort of like this woman who was trying to tell her husband, Ralph, you are drinking too much. This is a problem. Let me show you what you're doing to your body and your mind. She took a clear glass of water, took a worm, put the worm inside of the water. It swam up and uh, lived. She took the worm out of the water, put it in a glass of whiskey that he liked to drink, and it drowned, dead, floated to the top immediately. No life. She said, now, Ralph, what did that tell you? What does that tell you? Ralph looked and said, well, it teaches me that if you drink alcohol, you won't have worms. <laughs> no, Ralph, that's not, that's not the lesson. That's not the lesson. Some of you are catching that on the way home. Paul says, that's not what I mean. You know what the experience is of over-consuming alcohol. I want you now to be filled with the Spirit the spirit, pneuma, where we get our word wind or breath from, pneuma. We cannot create the wind. We can't even see it, but it's real. Amen? We can see its impact. It's invisible, but it's real. Sailors or seamen cannot create the wind, but they can hoist their sails to capture its power. Jesus' followers do not create the Holy Spirit, but we can capture his power. We capture his power by yielding to his control and his influence, yield to his will, yield to his word, yield to his works. Not only is it a picture, play role, of a drunk person, it is also a picture of a pregnant woman. 
a pregnant woman illustrates to us when a woman is carrying a child, it impacts and influences her energy, her whole physiology, her appetite, everything. I haven't had a baby, but you have. Am I right? I remember when my wife was uh, pregnant with our first two children, she had a change of appetite. She wanted sardines and onions almost on a daily basis. I said, hey, if you could uh, consume that before I get home, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> but it changed her physiology. It changed her energy level. It changed her appetites because there was a child growing in her womb, filling up her womb. Playro is the picture of a pregnant woman. But here's something else. Playro is the picture of a satisfied person. It's not only filled to the brim, it's fulfilled. When I yield to the will, to the word, to the works of God, a profound sense of satisfaction will overwhelm me. And it will influence and control my attitude toward life. Let me repeat. Plero, be filled with the Spirit, brings with it a promise of fulfillment, bringing to completion a profound satisfaction in living my daily life. No matter what the ups and downs, highs and lows, ebbs and flows are, a profound satisfaction. So he says, I want you to experience this in your daily lives. And let me repeat, at the risk of being redundant, it's a sanctifying process which happens day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, failures and successes. And when this happens, I'm learning to live with the Spirit. I don't know about you, but I need a power outside of myself. So then, therefore, when Paul says this, he goes on to connect four different signs, symbols of being filled with the Spirit. And I'll close with that. These four different things. He didn't just say be filled with the Spirit or let the Word of God dwell in you richly and stop. He said be filled with the Spirit and then these four things happen. So he says be filled with the Spirit. And then he says, speaking. The first thing that being filled with the Spirit impacts is my speech, my speaking, what I say. Here's what Ephesians 4 says about it. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. When I'm filled and being controlled and influenced by the Spirit, it impacts my speech. How many of you have heard, sticks and stones break my bones, but words will never hurt? Anybody? Well, that's partially true. Words can hurt, can't they? How many times have I been filled with rage, filled with anger, filled with disappointment, and all of a sudden, stuff comes out of my mouth? that I wish I could jerk back. 
Well, the reason that came out of my mouth, and I'm not just talking about profane, gratuitous uh, profanity or curse words, as we call them. I'm talking about foul language, things that we say. It may not have a curse word in it, but they hurt and cut to the soul. I can say some hard things to people. That's because I'm filled with something else other than the Spirit of God. But when I'm filled with His Spirit, then helpful, wholesome words impact my speech. Can I give you a second one? Well, it's not me, it's what the text says. When I'm filled with the Spirit, not only will it impact my speech, so do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. It impacts my singing and my music. It impacts my singing and my music. You know, you know, part of my history, I was raised in cafes and bars. And the house was connected to the cafe. So even when I was going to sleep at night, I could still hear the jukebox and the band on Fridays and Saturdays and Sunday nights playing music that I, as a child, really didn't understand and shouldn't have been listening to. But it began to inundate my soul. When I became a Jesus follower, all of a sudden, I knew I can't listen to that kind of music. Do you know Jesus followers can't listen to all kinds of music? Now, I'm not saying just listen to church music, but there are some things I should not be listening to. It impacts my singing and my music. Colossians says this, sing psalms. That's from the book of Psalms. Hymns. That songs about him, H-I-M, the biggest hymn in the world, and spiritual songs. These are what we would call praise songs that match the contemporary experience of the Colossians or the Ephesians or the first church. Sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. So it impacts what I sing and what I listen to is music. Here's the third one. It impacts my saying thanks, my saying thanks. Paul says this, when I'm filled with the Spirit of God, I will always give thanks to God the Father for some things. Hmm? For how many? In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, anybody can give thanks when things are going good. It takes me being filled with the Spirit of God to give thanks for everything. Now, I don't know about you, but I have some things I can give thanks for. Thank you, God, that you woke me up this morning. Thank you that you gave me a reasonable portion of my health and strength. Thank you that I have my right mind. Thank you that I have a job, I have food, I have shelter. It's easy to thank God, but what about when things are not going well? It takes the Spirit of God to fill me as I yield to his will, his word, his works, to be grateful for everything. I like what Matthew Henry said, 18th century theologians, you may have his commentary, the Matthew Henry commentary. He was robbed one night, and he went back and wrote in his diary these words. He said, Father, thank you that I'm alive. He said, secondly, 
thank you that though they took everything I had, they didn't take everything. And then he said, and I thank you that I was the one being robbed and not the one doing the robbing. That's a perfect example of someone who is being filled with the Spirit, yielding to the will of God. He didn't want to get robbed, but it just happened to him in the, the divine scheme of things, and he found a way to thank God even for being robbed. I don't know about you, but I need this outside power to be filled with the Spirit because everything is not going to go well all the time. So when you are filled with the Spirit of God, you are doing so. It impacts my speech, my singing, my saying thanks, and put your seatbelt on for this one, my submission. Ooh, y'all got quiet on that one. My submission. Here's what Paul says. Submit one to another out of reverence for Christ. This word submission means to give preference and deference to the other person. So he says, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. So if husband and wife is given preference and deference one to the other when I'm filled with the Spirit of God, I won't have to have just my way. Now, these days, I have to hasten to add what many people don't understand the Bible teaches. When I say submission, I'm not talking about submitting to physical or verbal or mental abuse. No human being has the right to prevent me from pursuing the plan and purpose God has for my life or my children. So I'm not talking about that. The Bible does not teach that at all. But there is help for the person who is an abuser as well as the victim of abuse. And if that's happening to you, whether in person or online, we can help you. And if you let us know, we will help. But that's not what he means by submission. He means for me giving deference and preference to my spouse if I'm married. Submission. We do it in every arena of life. I went to take my physical and it was more than just a physical, it was a more internal physical. And the doctor said to me, take off your clothes, I'll be right back. I said, I don't know you like that. <laughs> now, <laughs> but I did it. I submitted to him because he knows more about my physiological being than I do. And so when I'm submissive and submitting, I'm giving preference and deference to my spouse. Now again, it's easy to submit when the other person is giving preference and deference too, isn't it? It takes the Spirit of God for me to be filled when they are being petty and having their own way preferences and selfishness. Here's the second one, submission. Parenting. Parenting. It impacts my parenting. Colossians 3.20. Children, Obey your parents. And this word children, technos, is also um, teenagers. It's, it's, I'm talking to teenagers here. It's not just, just uh, brefa, which is just infants. It's children. Obey your parents when you feel like it. Is that what it says? 
No, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. Now fathers, this is parents, particularly men, but fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. It impacts my parenting. Impacts my parenting. Very important. Because in the ancient world, watch this, men were the patriarchal kings and they didn't feel like they had to give deference or preference to anybody, especially women and children. Paul comes along and says, if you're a Jesus follower, that is totally reversed. Even though in society you are given patriarchal authority, I want you to give preference and deference to the people who seem to be the lowest on the totem pole, women and children. So fathers, don't discourage your children. Isn't that amazing? That's how impactful the Spirit of God is and begin to change first century behavior. So it impacts my marriage if I'm married. It impacts my parenting if God is blessing with children. And it impacts my work. Now I close with this. It impacts my work. Colossians 3, slaves or servants, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you to curry their favor, but when sincerity of heart and reference for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for FedEx. That is not what, as working for the Lord. Not the hospital, not my boss, not my um, whatever profession I'm in, but I'm working for the Lord, not human masters. Paul goes on to say the reason you do that is because the master has a master. And the master of the master is looking at you, and it is the master of the master who will reward you no matter what the human master decides to do. So I'm working for him. And when I'm filled with the Spirit of God, it impacts my work. Now that's pretty rub and beat the road stuff right there, isn't it? That's why I need to be filled to yield control and influence of the Spirit. Now I'll give the benediction if you can give me this outline, which I know you can. Here it is. The four signs of being filled with the Spirit Look up at me. Don't look at your notes. Look up at me. When I'm filled with the Spirit of God, it will impact first my speaking and then my singing or music and then my saying thanks for some things. Everything, all things, and it will impact my submission in the area of marriage, parenting, Amen. Let's pray together. Oh, gracious God, our Father, we need an outside source to come and invade our souls. Thank you for God, the Holy Spirit. We pray that we will learn to pray this prayer, to ask you whether we're going to work, whether we're in a meeting, 
whether we're about to embark on a certain task, whatever the case may be, to fill us to the brim with your spirit. Help us to yield to his will, his word, his works, so that it impacts our speech. It impacts our saying things, our singing, and our submission in the areas of marriage, parenting, and work. Thank you that this is a sanctifying process day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, through failures and successes. And when I fail, we ask your forgiveness and ask you to fill us again with your spirit so that we can experience the fulfillment and satisfaction that you want for us in this life. In the name of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, even Jesus, our Savior, we pray, we praise you. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. I'm Daniel Openheisen, Musical Worship Director at Hope. If you were encouraged by today's message, make sure to hit subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience previous messages, videos, and our live worship experience, visit us online at hopechurchmemphis.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Again, thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast.